You're listening to The Q's Podcast, episode 148. Welcome to The Q's Podcast, where leaders and experts discuss the top topics in credit unions today. I'm Lisa Hograff, a senior editor at Q's. In this show, Dee Myers talks about the important role CEOs play in designing the organization of the future. Dee Dee, as many of you know, brings a lot of knowledge about leadership and governance to the table. She's CEO of DDJ Myers, an ALM first company, which is a Q solutions provider for succession planning and board development, and the sponsor of our quarterly Advancing Women publication. In this episode of the Q's podcast, Dee shares great insights about how CEOs can best design the organization of the future. She dives into what new CEOs and female CEOs might especially want to consider when doing such futuring. The biggest thing credit union CEOs need to do to design the organization of the future is to go on a listening tour. According to Dee Dee, CEOs should talk with staff, leadership team members, board members, members, and even trusted vendor partners. This will help them find out where the credit union has been, where it is, and where it is going. In this episode, Didi also answers the question of what kinds of outcomes CEOs might be able to achieve through their efforts. After you hear what Didi has to say, I think you're going to be very motivated to design your credit union's future. So let's get started. Welcome back to the show, Didi. Hey, Lisa, good to be here. Thank you so much for having me again. Yeah, we always have such great conversations when you're on the podcast. And I'm especially looking forward to today's topic, the CEO's role in designing the organization of the future. To kick this off, what have you seen that made you suggest this topic? Yeah, thanks for asking that question. It's something I'm reflecting on quite a bit, Lisa, that we're having really robust conversations, in-depth, reflective conversations with boards on how do they need to be in the future, what's working, and what do they need to let go of. And more and more CEOs are looking at their organization now and what does it need to be in the future. And then you put that in the context of unprecedented times and still in the hybrid and remote work environment, leadership or the need for leadership skills is really changing. And so what is the role of the CEO in designing the organization of the future? Oh, there's a lot there. Uh, Briefly is uh, one of the things I like to think about is like three time zone. What was? you know, very reflective, what was, where, how did we get to where we are, what worked, what didn't work, and, and how do we describe what was? And then, Lisa, coming into what is today, how do we describe what is today? And looking at um, and listening, you know, maybe doing a listening tour, listening to all of our stakeholders on how they describe what is today, and then moving into the future, what could be. So I like to look at, you know, what was, what is, and what could be, And I would also recommend, you know, having maybe a third party do some of these interviews with you or sit with you during the interviews, but getting an unbiased perspective of what people in the organization are saying, Lisa, I think is really important part of research and moving forward into what could be conversation. So it sounds like you're suggesting that the CEO's role is to sort of coordinate this process of having conversations around what was, what is, and what could be, what do we want in the future? So are these conversations with board members, with members, staff, who who are the conversations with? Yeah. And coordinating it, as you said, is really important, but also being a body of a listener. I think the CEO has to 
shape themselves in a way that people will want to share and go below the surface from the board member perspective, individual board members. You know, we could talk to the whole board, but when we pick up the phone and talk to each board member, we get to hear really what they care about and what they're concerned about. And then frontline, mid-level, which is one of the greatest places of crisis right now in organizations, as well as the executives. And then I also think, Lisa, bringing in the strategic partners for the organization. Who do they rely on for strategic planning? Maybe their technology, their fintech. What are they seeing? And it is a big research project. There's a lot about listening and clearing the filters so you can really hear what people are saying. So you talked a little bit about CEOs needing to sort of brush up their listener skills to do a good job with this particular endeavor. Are there other ways that CEOs can prepare to do a good job in the role of designing the organization of the future? Uh, Yes, absolutely. I think messaging ahead of time is really important. How do we message what the listening tour is? And so people will lean into the conversation and also stating that there's a standard of no holds barred, you know, just please share kind of like in a, what we call the leadership dojo that we do, Lisa, at our company is where we can't figure out where we want to go unless we all see where we're coming from, you know, so uh, being very open and leaving the filters at home, a bit of epoche, like taking your own biases out of the conversation. The other piece that I would strongly recommend is to make sure that you have the centering practice because you're not going to enjoy everything you hear. And some of it may be targeted against you as the CEO. And you always want to you know, keep that body of a listener and have that presence of like, I really care and want to connect to what your concerns are. So please share. And yet at the same time, when it's tough for me to hear what you have to say, a way to breathe, a way to let it sort of roll off like the duck, the roll the water off the back and then be able to look at what was said in a constructive and forward thinking way. I appreciate what you're saying. And what I'm recommending to the CEOs that we're coaching is don't start your sending practice the morning you get in the car and go on your first listening tour, you know, to a branch, for example, or a call center. You need to start this centering practice way before you actually step into those sticky conversations. So it becomes an embodied practice in you. So you can really hear and not be triggered. It sounds a lot like what my husband says about planting a tree. We should have done it 10 years ago. (laughs) Start that centering practice right now. It cannot hurt to have that in your back pocket at any point, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And let's talk about the special case of a new CEO. How does a new CEO's newness help or hinder their ability to do a good job with futuring? Oh, that's one of my favorite topics. And I really want to dig in on that in a research project. So I was talking with somebody a couple of weeks ago new CEO. And I was told, yep, we, we got the onboarding all taken care of. I go, well, what are you going to onboard with or who with the first week? And the conversation was all about the board. And I said, well, what about the people? You know, what, what about the people, the people that work there every day are in the culture who make the organization? And it was amazing to me and a bit sad that they hadn't thought about that part. And I said, you know, in our conversation, I think there was a shift in mindset. Maybe that's where this person needs to start, especially following a long time tenured, very successful and loved CEO. Uh, Some reality check there, Lisa, I think is helpful. So 
I would imagine that a new CEO has maybe an advantage in being able to respond to new things. Like hearing the past might be easier for the new CEO. Are there other things that being new could be helpful with? Yeah, hearing the past is often generative conversation for a new CEO. And I'm going to flip it up here a bit, Lisa, go like, what could hinder that as well? So I also want to pay attention to what's the listening bias of the speaker or the speaking bias of the speaker, I should say, you know, so we're still seeing a bit of gender conflict there, you know, so if I'm a board that it consists of mainly male board members, we're hearing a male board member perspective. And as a female CEO, we need to be open to that because it's very important. It's got us the success that we want here and then co-decide where we want to go from there. Uh, And we can dig in on that in a little bit if you want, but I think there's help. And then there's a hindrance on managing the biases that are in the conversation. Yeah. And it's interesting. I think like I've worked for Q's for 25 plus years now. Whoa. I know a lot about my coworkers that have been around a long time and the culture of the organization over time. And so I appreciate both my colleagues that have been with me on this long journey, right? We we can build on good things and we understand things to avoid because of our experience. And we also need to hear from the newest of the staff members because they're bringing in new ideas from outside. And so I think this idea of new and the long tenured is a balancing act, right? There's good from both and everyone needs to be heard. And then you're raising the issue of gender, of making sure that we're listening not just with ears because we're a woman or because we're a man, but listening across the spectrum of gender to be able to hear, again, what everyone has to say, right? Are there any special tricks to the trade, you would say, of learning to listen more broadly? Yeah, it starts with intention. And awareness follows intention. So going into the conversation or any big or important conversation, there's a lot of those these days, is setting an intention. So the intention could be that I want to hear from these three people in the room who are new to the organization and I'm new to the organization, like what is working for them? So that's the intention. And then awareness is really important because if the conversation starts to go off topic or the intention changes by the players in the room, then we need to back up and say, okay, we started here. This is where the conversation was going to go. Now we're all shifting and going over there. And creating clarity in the room with the participants that we're all going to go there together. Because if half the room goes there and the other half is languishing in the earlier conversation or yearning to get back to it, we're already starting a a dysfunctional practice. So I think there's an intention set, then there's an awareness. And are we in the conversation or are we shifting? And then a declaration that we're going to go together and then stay in that practice, I think is very important. So the CEO goes on what you called earlier a listening tour and listens to board members and to staff members and to their leadership team members, maybe even to a few members of the credit union. And then what do they do with all of what they've heard? How do they process all of this? It's going to be a lot of information and some of it's going to be conflicting and some of it's going to be disparate. What do they do? Yeah, well, speaking from a researcher perspective, you know, so when I do that, I'll look at themes and patterns and uh, do as much as I can to be in a quiet space. Sometimes I go home and in my dining room, Lisa, I just take off the artwork and I take these big sticky notes. And for each interview, I'll write one or two words for the interview. Then I cluster 
And then it just, I sit with it and then I'll go back to the next day. And it's amazing what pops out of that. Then I'll have somebody else look at it and do it as well. Look at the themes and see how they construct what the patterns are. And then I report back. We have to report back to the people who took their time to be in the conversation with you and say, this is what I heard. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it yet, but I, it's important. And I just wanted to share with you, this is what I heard. And I'm going to come back to you in 10 days or a month and give you a response on what we could do differently in the organization or continue to do because it's a great practice and we're thriving because of it. But the message here is let people know that you're paying attention to what they said. Sort of reflect it back to them. And you said something about 10 days or a month. How long can this process take? How long have you seen it take in organizations that have taken it on? Yeah, it, well, that obviously has something to do with the size and how remote are all the workers. And because there's so many remote, do we need to do some of this on multiple Zoom or Teams conversations? But as much as we can physically connect with people being in the same room. So a good month is really important. And as a new CEO, you don't want to make any changes right away, right? You want to listen. And then you want to create whatever the change needs to be with your team, not in isolation. So some people, you know, when we do interviews for CEO searches, they often have a 90-day or 120-day plan. And what I'm looking for there, and I think the boards are too, is this person doing this all by themselves? Yes, there's some conversations they need to have by themselves on a listening tour. Yet, are they also doing it in generative practices and conversation with others? So there's a unified approach to whatever the next steps are, if any. So this is kind of a logistical question. Do you recommend that the conversations get recorded? Uh, no, they won't. Uh, but what, when I do research like this, um, I have uh, sometimes the participants say, can I see you? You know, and they'll want, they'll want a video. So we'll, we'll put on a video instead of an audio. But what happens There's for me, I have to be very flexible. And I think CEOs do too. Some people will share more if they're not on video. And we call that listening long distance, you know, listening to their breath patterns, there's a pace, the toneness in their, their voice, and other people just want to see us. So giving them a choice too, I think is a good logistical practice. I like that a lot. And I know that each individual organization will come up with an individual response, even as they bring together all of the different conversations and the notes from all the different conversations. But can you give our listeners an idea of what the spectrum of possible outcomes could be? I mean, I'm thinking like it could be one organization has one really clear message that they need to go after. And another organization might have three to five priorities that come up. But the second question is, is there a spectrum of what kinds of directions might be coming up? For example, we really need to revamp our technology or we really need to get to know our members better. Those are two very different possible outcomes. Can you talk a little bit about what the spectrum of possible yeah. outcomes could be? I'm not going to give a, like have five or six, but here's what I'm hearing the most because I do a lot of these co-listening tours. One is we as people in credit unions, we as humans, we need a North Star right now. We need a reason to come to work. We need to come together with one voice and have a place to go. Call it a vision or a North Star or organizing principle. We need to know why we matter every day. And that's lost right now in a lot of organizations, Lisa. That's why a lot of CEOs are looking at the organization of the future. What is that compelling reason? And all things fall from that. That's really important. 
We also do an organization alignment assessment, which is rich. It's much more than engagement. It gives a lot of the things that you're talking about. And it's also part of a listening tour onboarding for new CEOs. And what comes out of that is like what, what populations in the organization are most aligned on how they're adding value and which ones are kind of lost. So that's helpful there. So those are populations like uh, leadership, senior leadership, or mid-level management or staff. And then looking at there's different areas of the organization, like maybe technology or contact center or branches that might have different degrees of alignment. So what I'm looking at there is find the low-hanging fruit. What are some things that you can cross a T and dot an I on? Because you didn't know that people wanted that or we never talked about it. It could be, could we have a food truck once a month? Well, that's an easy cross off the list, right? It could be that, do we really need to track PTO? I mean, some things are low-hanging fruit. So have a group of people identify those in the data. And then as a team, figure out, I always say, start with two. Where's the deep work that needs to be done? What's the deep work we need to do? And usually, Lisa, that comes into teaming. How do we team and how do we do leadership model or we are leader models? Those are usually the places people start because if we can be models of leadership, the other things will come more easily. It's usually around how can we model leadership and how can we team together that's gotten lost the last two or three years. So low-hanging fruit, and that helps the listeners go, oh, people are listening. And then the deep work, which has to be more organization-wide. I love that. I like the idea that tracking where some of the feedback comes from is Mm -hmm. interesting too, that you might find out that marketing and IT are more separated than we stereotypically think they might be, or that they're more aligned than more would be typical, right? And those are interesting factors in this discussion too. That's really interesting. To add to that, because I think this is good information to have, we also look at tenure. Is there alignment on how we're doing as an organization from longer tenured versus new tenured? We usually see there's pretty much alignment regardless of tenure. We also look at gender and race and ethnicity, as well as different areas of functional domains in the organization. So the CEO, the new CEO can go and look wow, this is great qualitative data to have. Here's how it lines up with my listening tour. And it provides a lot of clarity. Didi, this has been fantastic information for our listeners. I want to be respectful of your time. But before we go, is there anything else that you would like our listeners to know if they're a CEO thinking about their organization's future or a new CEO thinking about their organization's or a female CEO? What words of wisdom do you have to part with? Uh, Connection, connection, connection. We've got to figure out how as leaders, and this might sound like like a lot, but we're spending at least 50% of our time connecting with people. It's a crisis that we can't avoid anymore. And that means we have to listen to them, talk with them, be with them, develop, coach, whatever it takes, Lisa, but we've got to figure out how to connect, connect, connect. And the second piece is, I think the more we listen and appropriately respond, that we can build that middle level bench strength that is crying and desperate for that critical and strategic thinking. So those are the two things that I would say. And that's wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show again today, Didi. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks a lot, Lisa. I would like to thank you, our listeners, for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to today's episode of The Q's Podcast. 
And many thanks to Dee Dee for sharing her expertise about so many important topics. Learn more about DDJ Myers at ddjmyers.com. That's ddjmyers.com. Find a full transcript of this episode at cumanagement.com slash podcast 148. You can also find more great credit union specific content at cumanagement.com. Thanks again for listening today. Hughes is an international credit union association that champions and delivers effective talent development solutions for executives, staff, and boards to drive organizational success.